0: And so on our huddle today, Nick Leggett from Transporting New Zealand and Simon Wilson, New Zealand Herald senior writer. Uh, gentlemen, good evening to you both.
1: Hello, Andrew and
0: Nick. And Simon. Uh, the Greens want an immediate rent freeze and rent controls for the future. Do these ideas have any merit? Uh, are, they, are they workable or was this just politicking?
1: I'm not sure what you were really asking, Martima Davidson there. Andrew, it's perfectly possible to create legislation to uh, freeze rents, and you have a mechanism that follows that means that um, if people are breaking the law, um, they can be um, you know can be reported and action can be taken. As she said, this was this has been done before. Uh, there's no reason why we can't do it again, and we have legislation in place right now. Which says you can't raise rents more than once a year. So there's a mechanism already in place to make this happen. Do we need it? Well, I think it's an excellent idea. We have well, based-
0: okay. So Simon, I was asking her to say how she was going to actually what the mechanism was going to be. How to explain the process of freezing the rates? How are you going to freeze the rates? And I presume that it, the way it was going to happen was she's going to do some legislation that says you cannot raise the your rents for a period of time, maybe suggest to me what the time was and 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 and, and tell me that as a as a concrete policy. But she didn't do that. And and it would be I think, she did. I think she did, Andrew. Did she? Yeah. Okay, so mean, well I don't think she did. I, I said to her, how are you gonna you know freeze the rents? And she should have at that scene, said all rents will be frozen at their current level uh, for the next one year,' eighteen months, whatever, but she never said that. She just said we're going to do legislation.
1: Well, what she said was that it's been done before, so the mechanism exists that we have an annual uh, we have an annual mechanism right now which says you can't raise rents more than once a year, and therefore the mechanism for controlling that already exists, and that can be used uh, in exactly the same way to um, to look at other rent increases. Uh, I really don't see what you're getting at.
0: All right, Nick Leggett, how are you? I'm good, sorry about that. Look,
2: this is really about, I mean, what would the impact of this be? Now, I'm with Megan Woods on this. It it is about building you know expanding the rental market that's actually what is going to reduce rents giving people more choice uh increasing the amount of supply there i think that we we live in a world where there are a lot of pressures and i i'm sensitive sensitive to those pressures and and they're, they're across the country and across the world and the tempting thing is to think look the government can just solve this stuff really easily but i've got sort of two words that Concern me, and they are un- unintended consequences. What happens when you do this? You shrink the market because people get out of it, and mm. there isn't the social housing to replace the private housing that would be sold as landlords, um, you know, exit it. So, because they couldn't get a, they can't get a return on their capital. Now, there, there might be an argument that I think that house prices are overcooked, and that would reduce house prices as well. But we have to be very careful at a time of economic uncertainty for the for the government to intervene. What we find in these situations is that it's easy for the government to step into a problem and to look like it's solving it. But when you get the sort of perverse outcomes like I've just described, getting the government to then exit and letting the market take you know back control can often be very difficult. So, you know, this country, this is a country that post war built a whole lot of social housing quite quickly. And uh, I'm grateful for that. My family were, were ben- beneficiaries of that. Mm. Uh, and I don't know mm-hmm. why we can't do it again. And that really is, to me, is where the political pressure should be. It's where the public pressure should be on the government. Mm. Why can't it build houses quickly
0: all right welcome to the huddle with simon wilson and nick leggett so the dairy owners group was on the radio uh, earlier today calling on police minister portal williams and of course chris foy to resign over soaring police wait times which has been all the talk all day long so simon can we blame anyone for these police wait times is it the police's fault is it just too much uh, crime what what would be a solution can we can we just
1: wind it back a little soaring police wait times What has happened is that priority uh, call-outs to the police, the average time has gone from 7 minutes and 42 seconds up to 8 minutes and 21 seconds. That's an extra 39 seconds, two-thirds of a minute. It is an increase, but it's not a soaring increase. Priority two wait times uh, have have increased by about the same amount. It is true that if you have a low-priority call, uh, you are being seen over a longer period. But I, for one, am not worried that the police are prioritizing you know, and there is not a any reason to push a panic button on their responses to those priority calls and on top of that the police themselves have said there is a reason why that uh, they are they are hard at it now and that is rising numbers of domestic harm domestic violence call-ups that is an enormous proportion of police um, time now. Um, it's a real, really big social issue for us all, um, mm. but it's not out of hand in the way that, in the in, in the in the sense of police response. Police are still responding, still responding quickly. If you have a priority one call, call the police. They will come.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, there's some Aucklanders have been facing average wait times of more than ninety minutes, and that's what the statistics say. And yeah, okay, so soaring is actually a very emotive term, but it's still longer. Yeah. It's a longer wait time than before. And quite rightly, as you said, in some areas, particularly mental health and and domestic violence, there have been increasing numbers over the pandemic. So we don't have enough police. So here's the thing, Nick. What's the answer? Is it that the minister should resign? Is it that we should have more police, or or is it should we we should all just stop being bad?
2: Well, look. I think the first thing is to acknowledge that, you know, this is a this is a world that is quite fragile, and people, uh, I think, want to know that when they call the police, they're going to turn up. It's a sense of security, and as Simon quite rightly says, they will turn up. Uh, but they are going to be a bit slower, and you know those times you mean those wait times you mentioned in Auckland. I mean, let's not forget that Auckland is sort of approach is at least 35, 40% of the country, so it's a big chunk of New Zealand. Now, I don't think the minister should resign. We want the minister in harness to actually deliver on the promise of 1,800 new police mm. and ensure that they are front-facing on the beat, uh, fixing these very significant social issues, uh, including um, domestic violence. I mean, I think we would all agree, and and Simon touched on it, this is a problem that affects our society. And and actually, we want the police to make a choice about priority and and trust them to do that. Um, I think, obviously, there's going to be uncertainty where people don't feel they've been well served or they haven't been dealt with quickly. Fast enough, um, but we do want those most important cases dealt with first. And, 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 and where there are limited resources, we have to trust police, and we do trust police to to make those choices.
0: Nick Leggett and Simon Wilson on the huddle. I thank you so much.